Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. But when we go through something really disappointing, there's some sort of fire that comes out of that that's indescribable. True champions know how to take disappointments and hardships and turn them into gold. And when I went through 2016 and missing the Olympic, the Olympics, um, that year leading up into basically from when I broke out and made the USA national team in 2015, that full year up into missing the team in 2016 was the hardest year of my life. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hey, Kelly. It's good to be here today. How are you? Oh, I am doing great. And I am so excited to have this opportunity to talk with Michael Chadwick, a sprint freestyler who just keeps getting better and who holds two world records. Michael has been a member of the U.S. national team since 2015 and has had some seriously individual outstanding performances in relays and individual, including earning bronzes in the 50 and 100 at the 2019 Pan American Games and being part of a host of gold medal winning and world record holding relay teams. As a collegiate swimmer, Michael, who came to swimming relatively late, earned 22 total All-American honors at the University of Missouri and holds team records in the 50, 100, and 200 freestyle and the 200 IM. Maria, what else can you tell us about Michael? Well, we know Michael comes from an athletic family. Both his father and brother played Division I basketball with all the height that comes with that. And when Michael was cut from his seventh grade basketball team, I can't imagine that must have been awful, Michael, he turned to swimming and hasn't stopped since. In the inaugural International Swimming League season, he swam for the LA Current. And for the 2020 season, he'll be a member of the newly formed Toronto Titans. He's recently moved with his wife's wife Cassie from San Diego to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, to train under Mark Gangloff. Right now, let's welcome Michael to Champions Mojo. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. So so glad to be here. Yes, Michael, welcome. It's great to have you here. And uh, let's start with uh, what have you been up to lately? That's a great question. <laughs> what, what is there to do lately um, <laughs> that, that we haven't done a thousand times already? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's getting old, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to be creative in this household for sure. So after recently moving to Chapel Hill, uh, my wife and I have been really trying to find like a, a new, uh, I guess, direction in our life. And, and that has been really enjoyable. Um, you know, with a new move comes a lot of new experiences and a new place to call home. So uh, we have moved into a new home ourselves and uh, really getting to enjoy the Chapel Hill and Triangle area in North Carolina has been a blast. Um, we love it. It's, and it's about two hours from where I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so we've had really a lot of fun uh, hiking. I've recently gotten into mountain biking um, outside of just the normal you know, swimming routines. 
uh, just trying to stay active has been a real joy. And I think oftentimes I've lost this last few years because of the, you know, constant swimming work, swimming and lifting workouts that tend to make us pretty tired. <laughs> yeah. So what, what did you move during the, um, during the COVID crisis or at, or before? We did. We, we moved. So when the Olympics got postponed, I guess it was about March, around March 20th, we basically held out for about a month and my wife and I, my wife Cassie and I looked at each other and we said, you know, I just don't know if we feel like we need to stay where we are in San Diego for this next, this next year. So we, we, we can get into the story more, but uh, eventually we kind of decided to make a change and be closer to home. So uh, we moved here about late May and we moved into our, our new home in about July or June, June 11th it was. Wow. So are, are you actually swimming at UNC? I mean, are you, are you training? Because Mark uh, Gangloff is the new head coach at UNC. So it's his first year, right? Um, and, or is it his second year? This is his second year. Second year. Okay. So second year. Yeah. His first year didn't, he didn't have an NCAAs. That's why I kind of feel like nobody really had that year, but yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So his first year, not, not the, not the best way to, to, to finish your first year. Um, you know, we, we strongly believe that it would have been a very successful first year, but obviously with, with COVID had other plans for that, but um, going into the second year, we're really excited to see where the UNC program goes. Yeah. So why, you know, why did you move? Was it just family? You know, what, what brought about that, that that's a huge decision. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a huge decision. I think when, when the Olympics got postponed, it's very challenging to look at one more year and say, cause everyone knows an Olympic year is very different from other years. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of commitment and you basically go into it saying I can go, I can do this next year and give it everything that I have knowing that, afterwards I can reset um, I can reset and we can make different plans and when when Cassie and I moved to San Diego we basically committed to that time frame you know it's like we'll be far from home we've, we'll be far from family uh, but we'll we'll we can definitely do this for a few years and we can really try to make something special happen and really the team elite was everything we could have wanted it to be I strongly believe that a summer would have gone well for me but again <laughs> COVID had different plans the world had different plans for what's going to happen. So um, I think from our decision, it was, I think we would feel more comfortable going somewhere else and, and trying something different this next year than maybe trying to repeat what just, what we just did. Oftentimes I, I tend to get a little bit uh, when I, when I get, when I try to repeat what I've already done, um, I tend to get bored and lose interest and everyone knows in swimming, that's not the way you want to train. <laughs> Right, right. So is what, Cassie from, I'm sorry, Kelly, I stepped on you. Is Cassie from the North Carolina area too? She actually lived in Chapel Hill growing up for a little bit. So we, we met at school um, at the University of Missouri, um, but she she actually lived in Chapel Hill for about two years when she was younger. So it was kind of a homecoming for her as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Full disclosure, you know, I swam at NC State, so I, you know. <laughs> but hey, I have seen it. Uh, two children who graduated from Carolina. So, yeah. So we we already have that that battle going on with the, your co-host here. But what um what I was wondering is how how you emotionally felt. I mean, obviously you got up and moved when the Olympics were postponed. But just can you walk us through a little bit of what 
uh, emotions, feelings, thoughts that you went through when you heard the cancel or the, the postponement of the Olympics? That's a great question. Uh, you know, in in March, I, I think the way I would describe it is it all happened so quickly. Um, I mean, looking looking back, it, it felt like within two weeks the whole world changed. We, I was just getting back from the the pro swim series in Iowa, uh, coming off of you know a competition where that was like our that was our last meet before we started kind of bringing down training. So really, we got through the thick of it, and we were kind of getting to March, late March, where we were going to start really starting to polish up, and and you know get sharp again. So when when all this happened, uh, we were exhausted. Um, the team was tired. We had, we had really, we were running on steam in, in many cases. We had put in a lot of work and we trained through Iowa. So really when, when COVID really ramped up and all of a sudden, you know, California, being in California, we, we went through the stay at home order very quickly. So I think when things started to shut down, it started to look like, man, like this is, this looks like something that's not going to go away anytime soon. I think emotionally I started to prepare for the, um, event that the Olympics might be canceled or postponed. And I think emotionally it took me a little while to wrap my head around something like that. Uh, because again, it's, it's such a big thing to postpone or, or, you know, can't possibly cancel. I think when I, when we finally got the news, there was a mixture of being relieved and being really, um, nervous for going one more year and trying to get in shape again, retrain. But then there's also this other side of it where you're kind of like, well, where can I be in a year? You know, can I get any better? Is that, is it? Cause some, some, some people will genuinely benefit from there being one more year of training for next summer. And the people who get on the team next summer are going to be the ones who take advantage of having one more year of training. And that's just kind of where I moved into and said, I just have to be okay. And I have to be, um, I have to be flexible enough to move with where this decision has gone and just trust that going into next summer, I'll be prepared. So um, there's never, an, there's never an easy way or a straightforward way with coping like something like this. We all have our different ways of coping. Um, I think me and my wife's, my wife's way of, of dealing with this was partly just changing it up and trying something new. I love that. Gosh, what an optimistic approach and just thinking, this is another year that I'm just going to get better and and be one of those people that's positively affected by this. So, well, that's that's wonderful. And and it leads into one of our favorite questions to hear from our champions because we all have obstacles is what is the biggest obstacle that you've ever overcome in your life? Yeah, you know, the so I've always said that we as people are formed more by our disappointments than our successes. Um, mm. I genuinely believe that uh, we we have success and it's temporary. We can we, success is fleeting within a week. You know who who of us have not gone to NCAA's and come back the next week after a great meet and then been totally empty afterwards. I mean it happens to the best of us. But when we go through something really disappointing, there's some sort of fire that comes out of that that's indescribable. True champions know how to take disappointments and hardships and turn them into gold. And when I went through 2016 and missing the Olympic, the Olympics, um, that year leading up into basically from when I 
broke out and made the USA national team in 2015, that full year up into missing the team in 2016 was the hardest year of my life. It almost felt like everything I did didn't work. <laughs> you know, it was like, I made this decision. It was the wrong decision. It was, I, I tried to do this. That didn't work out. I put my faith in this. That wasn't it. And so leading up into the Olympic trials, I was already struggling emotionally and I probably wasn't in a good headspace to actually make an Olympic team and, and would have won an Olympic gold medal on the 400 freestyle relay. You know, I think we all handle successes differently and for who I am and who I, and how I identify myself, I would not have taken that level of success at 21 years of age as well as I would have wanted to. So something like that, looking back, is 100% the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But now, four years later at 25, I can say that is, I, I would not have changed that outcome for anything. Yeah, we read that you or heard that you met your wife right after that or during, within a couple of days and you felt like that that was almost what was supposed to happen. Is, is that right? So that's a pretty amazing story if you want me to share it. Yes, sure. stories. We love stories. Tell us the whole story. We want all the details. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know if I've ever told the full story on the podcast, so this will be cool. I first met my wife in January of 2016, um, really in a in a pass by, you know, nonchalant, total not not big deal kind of way. She was she was she brought her dog over to a couple friends' house that I was over at, and we we waved hello. That was it, you know. Fast forward four months. Um, this is when people start to think I'm a little bit crazy. I had a dream. <laughs> I had a straight up like a dream of a girl that was down a, down a hallway um, and, and turned around and looked at me. And I woke up. It was a Sunday morning. And I was like, that was the weirdest dream ever. It was like, I, I had like this picture of a girl's face. And I went to church um, with, with, with my roommates. And doing the same routine I do every Sunday. I go and I get my coffee. And I look across the room and there's a girl getting coffee and she looks at me and I'm like, that is so strange. Like that is the girl from my dream. And, and I was, I remember going to the service and I, the whole time, like, that was so weird. Like, what is up with that? And I, I go out and I'm talking to my buddies and, and this girl walks up and I'm like, guys, who is that? Like, have I, like, have I met her before? And she was like, yeah, that's Cassie. Like she remember she was over at our house like three months ago. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's who she was. And at the time I'd always thought that she was dating one of the guys in the group or, or something. And turns out that they were just friends. And so I had gotten this idea in my mind, like, okay, like clearly like someone's trying to tell me that I'm supposed to pursue this girl. And, you know, it's the Olympic year and I just get in my mind, this girl, Cassie, like I, I should ask her out on a date. So I, Ask one of our friends, hey, will you ask Cassie to go on a date with me? Um, they were both in the same sorority, um, knew each other. And, and she's like, yeah, of course. And, and she asked Cassie, she said, oh, I'm like, sorry, like things are too busy. Like not yet. And so she, she came back to me and said, oh, she said not yet. Sorry about that. And I was like, oh, that's okay. At least she didn't say no. So I guess I like, got not yet. So I um, enter like a series of, uh, it's May. And then, so I start praying and I'm like, you know, Lord, if you want me to meet this girl or date this girl, like it's, it's in your hands. Like I just give me just like a miraculous encounter. Cause I might, I might be crazy, you know, just again, just give me some miraculous encounter. And I'll know like I'm supposed to date this girl. So I don't see her for three months 
And I go to Olympic trials. Obviously, we know the outcome. I didn't make it. And I drive home with my coach Saturday night. We get in Sunday. The, the guys on my team pull me out of bed and say, hey, we're taking you to uh, this bar. We're going to go hang out and just sit and talk. We'll cheer you up. So we go and we sit all day. Uh, we're just talking and we get invited to uh, this, this house party type thing that a girl in town was putting on. And, uh, and we're like, sure, why not? Let's go. So we go to this party and I walk in and Cassie's there and I haven't seen her. It's, it's July 3rd. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, Kat, this is, this is the girl I've been trying to date. So I walk right up to her and I, I'm like, Hey, Cassie. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that's been trying to date me. Um, and, and she is, <laughs> she's, it's really funny hearing her tell the story. She's, she was so uncomfortable. She's like, oh my God, why, why is that guy? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to talk to her the whole night. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to be like that cool swimmer, like, you know, oh yeah, I just missed the Olympics. And, um, you know, and she said something like, oh, you can try again next year. And she's, she's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she never, never didn't know anything about swimming. It made it awesome. And, you know, the night's getting later and I'm like, gosh, like if I don't, if I don't like ask this girl on a date now, like she's, someone else is gonna, is gonna get her. So I was like, Hey Cass, can I talk to you outside real quick? And she's like, Oh, sure. <laughs> and I, and I was like, Hey, like, I know this is weird, but I, I really would love to take you on a date sometime. Um, she's like, well, let me get your number and I'll text you. And she texted me like a couple hours later and was like, Hey, it's, hey, it's Cassie. And I texted her this long message back. I was like, Hey, would love to take you out. I think you're awesome. Um, anytime you want to like go out, I know you're leaving earlier this week, later this week. Um, just let me know. And I, uh, she doesn't text me back for like 24 hours. And it's like, sorry, uh, I can't, uh, I can't. I'm uh, brother's uh, uh, and she's like, but ask me when we get, when school gets back. So I wait a month, guys. I wait a month. <laughs> I go home. I, I'm like, I tell my family about her. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like sold. I'm like, I don't know why. You're half in love and you've had, not had the first date. Oh, I've met her like once or twice. And, and all of a sudden I'm like sold. And so I get back, I wait like a week. School's about to start. And I text her and I'm like, Hey Cassie's Michael. Do you want to go on a date? And so she had actually just dropped her sorority and she had been praying now that, that the Lord would give her a different path for her senior year. And now that when I'm she, now that when I texted her, she she somehow moved into like a now a new mindset that was like, you know what, why not? Like this guy's this guy's held out long enough, I'll give him a chance. And I'm like, yes. Um, <laughs> so we go out that next week, and we find out that like we have so much in common. Um, so she lived in Chapel Hill growing up. My dad obviously played basketball at, at UNC. Um, so her whole family are big UNC fans, which you know made it easy. You know, I know. There's, you know, at least she wasn't a Duke fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I could not go forward. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, her, my mom was a Theta. She was a Theta. Um, her dad is from Lebanon. And my parents had just done three mission trips in Lebanon. Um, wow. So there was, there was a big talking point there. Um, probably the craziest fact, though, was she vacationed at Carolina Beach growing up. And we have a condo in Carolina Beach. And they stayed the apartment right next door to ours. Wow. We Gosh. would vacation the same place and, sleep, and literally we're probably in the same room or the same area at the same time. Cause uh, she's one of eight kids. So, you know, that family moves in a pack. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then the other crazy fact was 
uh, her dad is friends with the person who set my parents up on a blind date. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, plus you had your faith in common, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge thing. So we, you know, this is, this is, I'll tell the short version of this, but we moved into my senior year and we, we got, I proposed to her in March of 2017. So we didn't date too long. I pretty much just knew. I mean, you heard the first part of the story. I was pretty, I was pretty all in. Um, So I, I bought a ring over Christmas. I got back to school and I gave it to Mark Gangeloff, who's now the head coach at UNC and my coach again. And I said, Hey, Mark, I might be insane. I bought a ring. Uh, can you put it, can you keep it until after NCAAs? Cause I, again, I, I might make a bad decision here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I heard that story. I love that story. Yeah. You're so passionate. You're afraid you're going to propose too early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I don't like, I, and I, and I'd wait, I had waited till I told her I loved her until right when I proposed. So oh. that was the thing where I was like, you know what, like the next girl I say it to, I want to make sure um, that's my wife. So we, we waited. And then the week after NCAAs, um, it was pretty awesome. We flew to California and I proposed to her um, and we were married nine months later. So that is such a great story. That is a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Oh my gosh. I could picture every bit of that. I love it. So, and I, and I so- love, I love the way you, fo- you know, follow your heart. I mean, I, I just think that's, and you're, you listen to your gut. <laughs> yes. um, and you know, so Michael, go ahead, yeah. Kelly. Um, so you, you obviously, you fell for Cassie quick. You're, you, you, when you know you want something, you kind of sounds like you obviously go after it, but I'd love for you to share a, a little bit around how you came to swimming late and what mindset you used to succeed as, as somebody that didn't, you know, fall into the pool at four or five and become really successful as an age grouper, like a lot of swimmers do. Yes. Yeah. So you, you, in my introduction, you said that I was cut from the seventh grade basketball team. Um, that was the defining factor of my age group career. Uh, because when I was growing up, I bal- I was trying to balance being a basketball player and being a swimmer. And, you know, like, like any kid growing up, I thought I was the best basketball player. You know, I thought I was great. I thought I had a great jump shot. Uh, I thought, you know, just like my dad, just like my brother, I'd be a great basketball player. And when I was trying to balance that with, with swimming, I, I was doing summer league and, you know, I, I was swimming a l- little bit throughout the year, but it really wasn't a thing yet. So when I got cut from the basketball team, I was, I was mad, you know, I was like, well, if, if, if basketball is not going to be my thing, swimming has got to be my thing. And I was very fortunate in that I had about three coaches that really believed in me um, growing up, one, one of them being David Marsh. Um, and anyone who knows David Marsh, his, his eye for talent is, um, absolutely incredible. Um, and he saw something in me at 13, 14 years of age that he fostered. Um, he wasn't hands-on all the time, but he had a mastermind, uh, plan for me and he was smart. He's crafty, man. He, he put this idea in a kid's head at like 14 years old. He was like, you know, he brought the, the, the team elite swimmers at the time who were training down, down the pool and he brought them over and, you know, to introduce them to me. And he's like, Michael, you know, your best swimming is going to be after college. Wow. <laughs> so I was, I was never thinking, you know, how do I swim in college? I was thinking, how, how am I going to swim after college? You know, so, and, and I honestly, I was not good until my senior year. So I, I barely got my, my junior national cut and by two and hundredths of a second, a hundred breaststroke the summer before my senior year. 
And that was good enough for me to be slightly recruited by a few schools and, and offered a 15% scholarship by the University of Missouri, that being the only school to offer me a scholarship. So when, when that happened, I was like, well, Missouri is where I'm supposed to go, you know? And it was between UNC and Missouri, interestingly enough. And now I'm at UNC. So when, when I'm looking at the grand scheme of things, what kept me going in the sport of swimming was a huge level of belief in the people around me that being my parents and that being my coaches. And I've always said that before the age of 15, a large majority of the ownership has to come from the coaches and your parents in, in, in sports. Um, I don't think we are quite mature enough to be able to fully understand what we're training for. Even if we have a world of talent, we have to be kind of fostered into that world of success. So before the age of 15, I had all these amazing people, including my parents who saw something in me that I did not. Um, and then once I got to the age of like 16, 17, 18, I started to believe it for myself and I started to move more toward this idea that I can actually be something in the sport, even if I don't see it yet. Um, so when I started, when I officially committed to the University of Missouri and signed those papers, it was almost like I had this like burden off my chest and I could just start swimming freely. And I started to actually then have success at the end of my senior year and then move into college and really start to enjoy the sport. That's great. Wow. Yeah. So you're, you've, it you've, sounds like, I'm sorry, Maria, I'm, I'm just, I'm riveted. Go. I'm I taking too. too many questions. Go, go, go. <laughs> you've described, or I, I guess I've gotten this impression um, of you as sort of a late bloomer, which I think works really well with this delayed Olympic year. Um, because if you think of yourself, if you framed yourself as somebody who comes a little bit after other people and wait, you know, and what you, the story you've just described is exactly that, um, you know, and, and, and we, we read that you said throughout the course of our lives, we are constantly reforming who we are. Can, can you explain what that means to you and, and how others can use that concept to become champions? Absolutely. So I've always looked, looked at my life, um, really in four year increments. Um, that's really, you know, it lines up right with the Olympic quad, but you know, I strongly believe that we are never exactly who we are throughout our entire life. Um, I think we go through a seasons of change and growth. Um, and we change with the hardships and the successes that are brought into us, um, as, as champions. Um, no one is a champion forever. You know what I mean? Uh, we're we going to be a champion in one area of life, whether that's swimming or an area of work or, or school or whatever, but we always move out of that and into something else. Um, and one of the amazing things about looking at life in four-year increments is no one is the same at 12 years old as they are at 16. And no one is the same at 16 as they are as 20 to 24 and so on. Um, it's a very short, it's a, it's a small window of time where you can really analyze exactly who you are. Um, for example, at 21 years of age, I was trying out for the Olympics as a single guy who was not invested in the things that I am today. Um, you know, now at 25, I'm, I'm married. Um, life looks a little bit differently than it did at 21. And really at 21 years of age, I would never have seen what life could have looked like for me right now at 25. So we don't always have a clear picture of where we're headed, but it's a combination of trust and faith and something greater than ourselves that leads us to these amazing new parts of who we are. Um, I think one of the struggle, one of the, 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 I'd say hardships that a lot of people this in this generation growing up right now has is they want to see exactly who they are now. And, you know, my encouragement for them is 
if we get so caught up in who we are today, we lose track of what we're going to become tomorrow and four years from now. Um, growth is a constant thing. and We can't be so caught up with this stagnant foundation. We have to build on top of it. Um, so that's kind of what I mean by that. It sounds like in addition to what you said, Maria, about Michael, that he he's a late bloomer, but it also sounds like you are willing to do some really long range planning. Like if somebody told me at 15, you're going to be good after college, that's that's a long (laughs) range plan. And even looking at your relationship with Cassie, you know, you met her and were very patient and long range plans of, okay, it's not going to happen this spring. It's not going to happen this summer. I'm going to text her in the fall when we come back to school. You know, it just so that's a characteristic that you you've obviously demonstrated. Would there be other characteristics that either you know about yourself or that you see as a commonality in champions? You know, a a, a huge commonality I see in champions is the overarching principle of being the best you. Um, It's interesting. I don't think there is a general champion like cookie cutter mold that fits everyone, if if you know what I mean. So when I look at all of these people who have been successful in all these different areas, um, well, they're very different. A lot of times you can find huge similarities, like a, like a very strong sense of determination, perseverance, um, a huge sense of faith in something greater than themselves, um, very strong emotionally, physically, mentally. There's all these big things, but the really the biggest thing I've seen is they really, they maximize who they are. Um, for me, I've moved more to this sense of identity and, and, you know, as, as a, as a, as a Christian man who is doing sport in life, like that is my foundation. And I try to build up on that. Um, the moment that I start to get away from that, you know, I start to lose sight of who, who I am. Um, and we all have to do this kind of soul searching of, you know, how we are made and, and what gives us strength. Um, because again, like when you're looking at sport, we don't have sport forever. Um, and the moment I, I tell my wife this all the time, the moment that you see me sacrificing my foundation for this sport is the moment you need to tell me to stop. Um, if you see me start going downhill and, and, I, and I start to sacrifice too much for this thing, I have sacrificed who I am um, and you need to tell me to stop. So until that day, <laughs> I'm going to keep going full force in the sport of swimming to maximize my potential and who I am. Um, and fortunately I have someone like her to stand by me and to build me up, um, and not to break me down. And I think we all need that as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wonderful. Well, um, let's see. So wait, I want to, I want you to ask him a question about a product, Kelly. You do? Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Before we go there, I I, I do, I do want to know um, what your proudest moment is. I'd love to know that because you, you have such a, you know, a rich life. I'd like to know. Great resume. Is this in swimming or is this in life? It's just proud. It just, you know. Any, anywhere, swimming, life, the whole thing. I mean, I still say that first date with my wife was a, was a home run. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the wedding was great, but we had gotten to that point. 
it was getting the first date that was the hard thing. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I observed too that you you get these markers in your life—the dream, the words of Coach March, Marsh—and you believe in them and you hold on to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's funny when I look when I look at like something that is like what is the biggest thing, like my, my most proud moment. Um, it's it's difficult to say that because. my wife will tell you this too. I I have a tendency to live in the future and not the past Mm -hmm. unless it's, unless it's a like huge, like disappointment that I've had. Sometimes I dwell on that. Um, But when it comes to successes, I tend to forget about them pretty quickly um, because I'm looking towards the next thing. It's really when it comes to disappointments and struggles that sometimes I, I have a tendency to look back on. And then my mind starts to stir on how I can fix that. Um, so like when it comes to like, you know, missing a team or having a bad race or, you know, hurting someone's feelings or um, saying something stupid, like that's where I, I maybe live partly in the past. And I'm like, gosh, like, why did I do that? That was so dumb. Or, and one area of maturity I really tried to grow in is letting those things go away and not focusing on those. So um, like in the swimming world, I look in the swimming successes, I look at, you know, the NCAA and, and getting second my senior year and breaking 41 seconds. And I look at being on world world record relays and um, stuff like that. That's been really highlighting and and it brings me joy when I think about this sport. But um, I think again, like what I was saying, I'm just really excited for where the the future goes. I think that's an amazing trait of champions that it is to be focused in the future. And you did open the show by saying that you learned so much from your difficulties you know so there's a difference between dwelling on them and learning from them yes for sure yes so michael you are now a pro swimmer i mean you've been for several years but being a pro you get sponsors and you get to um you know swim in the international swim league but tell us about a sponsor that you and i connected on (laughs) prior to this call we determined that we both love a product that sponsors you and i would love for you to to share that with our listeners. Yes. So we connected on a product called the Squatty Potty. Um, If you don't know what the Squatty Potty is, um, it it is a stool that goes under your feet to help um, bodily functions happen easier to say it, to say it, you know, as straightforward (laughs) as possible. Um, A a stool for your stool. Oh, we might want to cut that. (laughs) Honestly, that's, 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 Maybe I need to pitch that to them as their new slogan. <laughs> uh, their, their slogan right now is the easiest way to number two. Oh, no, sorry, the, the number one way to number two. The number one way to number oh, that's, two. That's, that's really clever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it's really been – I mean, I think when – when so CG is my, my agent, and when CG and I sat down, and we, he's been my agent now for a few years, we really wanted to maximize – you know, what makes me as an athlete and what, what brings me really joy when I think about partnering with companies. Um, and the biggest thing is I just really want to have fun with, you know, these sponsorships. Um, I think the moment that it becomes, you know, the spot, the, the, the business becomes more important than the game. I start to really not enjoy it. And when you're talking about Squatty Party, like uh, Jacob Pebbly and I have had a blast filming stuff like this. Um, and we, we did, we've done some stuff with, with tall slim tees. And that really is what brought this squatty potty partnership into light, um, was through that company. Um, and 
we have really enjoyed, <laughs> I guess, uh, using these 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 squatty potties and bringing and bringing uh, it to light in the swimming community. And we've had so many people come out and saying, "Oh, we love the squatty potty. It's the best thing we've ever used." And um, I think that's just been a, a really really fun for us is is finding this commonality between all these different people. Yeah, and, and I, you're like they say you're preaching to the choir here. I we have four squatty potties in our house <laughs> and we love them and think that they're a great product. So it's just, it's just funny that we connected and Maria, tell the story of when you visit our house. Yeah. I, I went to the bathroom and the squatty potty is there beneath the, the, the throne. And I was like, Kelly, what is this? And she explained how well it worked. And now I'm going to invest in some squatty potties. Yeah. So anyway, that's cool that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting, you know, you're having fun with your sponsorships. And that's that the way, cool. you know, we, we're we're now in a new partnership with CG Sports Network. So, and what's really funny and is prior to booking you and even starting this uh, podcast, we did not know because we're new that you were part of CG Sports Management. So that's just really cool. Another, another serendipity. Um, but but when we do podcast sponsorships, we want to endorse products that we know will be great for our listeners and that we genuinely and authentically love. So it sounds like you're doing that, Michael, um, and it's great. So in the interest of time, we're going to go to the last question before the sprinter round, which we always love it when we have a real sprinter with us. That's right. Um, yes. Yeah, so we just one last question. Is there anything that we have not covered that you would like our listeners to know? You know, the biggest thing I think when, when, I, when I really enjoy doing podcasts like this, one of the things I always try to emphasize is when it comes to being a champion, one of the things that all champions have in common when we talked about this, you know, overarching idea of having this true self is having this purpose-driven life. Um, and that's something that I've really tried to maximize and a lot of my competitors have really maximized is what is your why? Um, and when talking about this, um, I really encourage everyone to sit down and try to understand what your purpose is and what your why is. Um, like for, and when it comes to my why, you know, it's, it's bringing this, this truth, this belief that this world is far bigger than we can possibly understand or imagine and that there is a um there is actually a story being told and you know when i read like a book like the bible and and i, and I read what it really means and represents and what uh the story is with you know with christ coming for my for, for my sins and, and now where my life is and what my what my uh path is and this this faith that i get to have and this joy I get to have in life that's my encouragement for people is find this find your joy um, I think happiness and, and this love of, of life and to be uh, a champion is, is not just in what you're doing. It's being a champion in this, in this, this big picture of called life. Um, we can all be a champion in one thing, but how much more meaningful is it to be a champion in, in life? So that's my encouragement. Mm -hmm. Let's all move towards this, this purpose-driven lifestyle. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that would be the, my big thing to, to leave on. I that's, love that's, that. And I do too. Maria, that's... Yeah. Mar Maria and I just finished our certification for being a health coach and a life coach. And that is the number one question that, that they trained us to ask when working with clients is what is your why? Mm, yep. And in this t difficult time, 
So great to helicopter up and, as you say, realize that we're all part of a bigger story. So encouraging. Yeah, and I, and I really think that if we put where we put our foundation really tests um, this thing called life. And if we put our foundation, for example, in a thing called swimming, which is a great thing, it looks very good and it brings a lot of emotional and mental and physical security every day when I have a really good workout or whatever. Um, it's really easy to put it in that. The, the, the hard part is, is when you, when you weather life, um, sometimes that foundation proves to be not the strongest. Mm-hmm. And when in something like swimming, we, something that possibly seemed to never be taken away I think we all would agree that sports have always kind of seemed invincible no matter what was going on in the world. It was always an escape um, that was taken away for a few months. And, and, and there is still no for sure certainty in sports in the future. So where we put our foundation is the most, how we build our foundation is the most important thing. Um, so yes, that question where, what is your why? Um, that is my challenge to everyone listening. Oh, I love it. What a great, great note to, and this part of the interview on excellent. Thank you, Michael. Yes, and now the fun stuff, the sprinter round. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Let's do it. Take your fire. Cat or dog? Uh, cat. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. Mountains or beach? Beach. Football or baseball? Football. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning person or night owl? Uh, Mixture, but mainly a night owl. Ah, okay. Boxers or briefs or boxer briefs? Oh, um, boxer briefs. (laughs) Okay. Maria's got a few for you. Okay. uh, Super short answer here, Michael. Favorite color? Uh, Carolina blue. Okay. <laughs> Appropriately said. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Favorite vegetable? Um, that's difficult. Uh, broccoli. Okay. Favorite. Okay. We got to Michael. Sorry. We got to tell you there. Jason Lezak said, What's we a have vegetable? to eat vegetables. <laughs> that's right. He said, yeah. Oh, he vegetables. Said, we have to eat vegetables. <laughs> I just, that's awesome. <laughs> you sprinters. Yeah. Favorite swim complex you swim in in the U.S.? Probably IUPUI. For the yeah, non-swimmers out there, you have to oh, that tell is me the, what that uh, is. India, Indianapolis. Yes. Sorry. That is the Indianapolis <laughs> Natatorium. Okay. Uh, something on your pre-race playlist. I really like the 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 Christian rapper Lecrae is, is probably one of my favorites. Um and also, I, I like the bands, The Head and the Heart. Um, it's a kind of a folk band. And then, yeah, I'll leave it those two. Okay. Uh, what's your shoe size? 13. Siblings? Uh, I have an older sister, Bethany, who has five kids, and an older wow. brother, David, who has two kids. Wow. Favorite Star Wars character? Uh, definitely Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh. Oh, we like that answer. Okay. And can you cook? Can I cook or will I cook? <laughs> Either. Can I cook? I can grill meat pretty well. Um, I actually recently just bought a pit boss and I've been experimenting smoking meat. I, I smoked pork shoulder last week. Mm. Um, and that was awesome. And we grilled burgers and whatnot. 
Um, so that kind of stuff, I really find my, my lane in. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to meal planning and, and actually executing meals, I'm not the best at and my wife is incredible at it. Um, so I, I can kind of cook, but not great. <laughs> okay. All right. Last, last question. What word comes to mind when you dive into the water? Probably like be free. And that's not oh, one word, but like the nice. phrase be free is kind of like, I, I kind of think of, of swimming as like, you know, when you're on the block, you're kind of like, you're being, you know, contained and then you're kind of let go. It's like, let go, go. And um, I've always thought about like when I hit the water, just that's the moment. And the, my best races have come when I just stop thinking. And mm-hmm. it's not even that I choose not to think. I just don't need to, you know, like I think it's sometimes, sometimes it turns into just don't think, Michael, don't think but it almost turns into a, I don't need to think I've done, I've done the training. I've done this a million times. I get to just enjoy this. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing when we talk about champions is champions enjoy what they're doing. You know, it's, it's when they get to execute this moment where they've been training for, it's like the biggest release they can possibly have. And they get to just be free. Oh, love that's it. So love great. It. <laughs> yeah. Like get like unleashed. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Oh, Michael, this has just been such a joy and a pleasure for us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. It was just delightful. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care and good luck to you. Thank you. All the best. Best of luck. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. Well, Maria... That was amazing and just so thoughtful and deep and just wonderful. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. After we stopped recording, you know, I just said, you're so articulate, Michael. And he said, well, I, you know, my dad, I guess I, I'm in a preacher's family, so maybe it comes by naturally. But I loved how, you know, he's obviously thoughtful and passionate. And I loved how he presented his thoughts so clearly. He was a delight to talk to. Yes, yes. Really, you know, that is that. That was uh, him having people around him was my first takeaway that that he is someone that has had this extraordinary belief, obviously has has a great faith in his spirituality. But my first takeaway was that when you're a young person and maybe even not young in age, but new at something that Hmm. the belief in people around you that they support you and they believe that you can do this. Maybe someone who, who is an expert at it um, really was what he put his faith in. I mean, when David Marsh told him at 13 that he was going to be good one day, maybe even after college, that he believed that. He just said at mm-hmm. that young age that he couldn't grasp everything. So he had a belief in people around him. And I just love that. I did too. And I, yeah, I love that. He held that as a light, you know, for his life. Okay. 
David Marsh said I was good. Yeah. And so I'm going to be good. Yeah. What was your first takeaway? Oh, so mine was, I, I loved his, you know, we opened the show with talking about his move from San Diego to Chapel Hill. And I, I love that he is continually looking at his life and, you know, changing things up and trusting himself to change things. He talked about reforming himself. Um, and I, I, I like that sort of, I think that kind of comes from confidence and trusting yourself that you can say, this isn't working. This doesn't feel right right now. I'm going to, I'm going to change and it's okay to change. It's okay to change things up. It's okay to, you know, I'm going to be a different person in four years than I am from now. I, I love that ability to trust in the, in the process of growth, I guess is what you'd call it. Yes. Yes. Really, really good stuff. And and keeping things fresh, you know, I, yeah, I, I yeah. love that. Loved it. Yeah. So my second takeaway was his ability to kind of, it was kind of a combination of two. He is definitely a long range planner and right. looks at the future. And this, right. I'm just right. going to uh, quote one of my favorite authors, Joe Dispenza, says that we all have to have a vision of the future, that we need to look forward and not backwards. And that a lot of yeah. problems that people have in life is when they're looking backwards. Michael yeah. said he lives in the future and yeah. long range plans. And, and, you know, I even said it out during the podcast that he, you know, he was willing to wait to date his wife uh, from the spring all the way till the next fall. That's just, yeah. well, <laughs> that was long range planning and long range planning in, in looking at, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm only 15 now, but I may be good when I'm Post-college. I mean, that's long-range yeah. planning. So I think looking that in the sure future and, and and maybe that's just patience, Maria. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, you know, he he also said that, you know, he he was working and maybe he's changed in this way and not dwelling on, on the past mistakes. But, you know, that when he looked at the past, he tended to focus on his mistakes. He said that you learn from your mistakes, which you sure do. So, yeah, I, I like that he... Yeah, he's looking towards the future with hope and optimism too. Not a, you know, not 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 fear, but just yeah. I I, I totally agree. Well, my second takeaway was, you know, he, he about being the best version of himself, of being you know the best that he could be, the best person, you know, that God created him to be. And you know, he ended, of course, with the this idea of the purpose driven life. And I I like. And I think that's a really great takeaway that we can all focus on, you know, we're all different. We all have different talents, abilities, you know, as he said, you know, swimming might go away or whatever, but I can be the best version of myself, you know, right now and continue to work towards that. Yes, I love that. And I think that's he, you know, he felt that that's a commonality that champions, champions and successful right. people have, that they're the best version of them. And I, and I right. do that they're authentic, you know, they're, they're who they are and that shines through and makes them be able to be free. So be yeah. free to win and, and free to be the best they can be. So really great stuff. There were a lot yep. more takeaways and hope that you got a chance that, uh, you guys got a chance to listen to all of them. Yeah, that, that was a terrific, terrific interview. Well, Maria, you have a bunch of people coming to your house I for do. dinner, so you I better got, go. I got a dinner party. Right. Okay. I love you, love love you, you sister. Too. Talk, talk soon. Talk right. soon. Bye. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Michael Chadwick. We are formed more by our disappointments than our successes. Success is fleeting, but there is some sort of fire that comes out of disappointment that is indescribable. 
You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.